The following audio file is being brought to you by the world's premier business and executive coach trainers at B Coach Systems. Please feel free to visit them on the World Wide Web at www.b-coach.com. Executive Coaching Club. This is Mike J, the host, and I have with me a special guest today, Susie Pomerant. Susie, welcome. Thank you, Mike. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you, too. Um, as people can tell from just the way you greeted me, you're just full of energy, and I always like being around you, so it's uh, kind of uh, infective, so to speak. Oh, thank you. You know, Mike, you are one of the smartest business people I know, and your commitment to our industry runs so deep that it is always a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm just thrilled to be part of your executive coaching club. Good. Well, listen, uh, tell folks about yourself. Uh, tell them a little bit about your background, uh, what your education is, uh, any, any kind of personal things. I know you've got uh, at least one small child. Do you have more than one? I have two. Yes, I do. Um, I like to say, though, that I really have three because my business is my first child. I've been coaching executives and corporations, executives and attorneys, for 13 years now. And um, so if you do the math, 13 years ago there was not a whole lot of media publicity around coaching. So it's been really fascinating to see the changes and trends in the industry just in the last 13 years, which mm -hmm. in terms of a profession is really a short time frame. Um, and, I, you know, in terms of my background, I was trained as a teacher. I started as a school teacher. I, my master's is in teaching. I taught third grade. And um, when I got into coaching and coaching in corporations, I was really young. I, when I started my business, I was 24 years old. And one of the funniest things about starting my business, I would walk into these executive suites and I'd be face-to-face -face with a VP or a CEO who had been in an executive position longer than I had been alive. You know, And I always knew that I was bumping up against, okay, who is this little girl and what is she going to teach me? Mm -hmm. uh, which was really quite a hurdle that I always was aware of starting out. Um, so I think part of my energy and part of my sense of confidence comes from having to constantly overcome that in the early years of my business. And now, you know, now that I've got some maturity and some experience, it's much easier. <laughs> yeah, well, the good thing about it is, is teaching third grade and working with executives has some similarities. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you say that. It actually has a lot of similarities. And one of my very first um, consulting gigs that was overseas, I did uh, some work as an executive coach. I partnered with a, a colleague, um, and his client was USAID. And we went to Niger. We went to West Africa and for a week, and we did customer service strategy workshops and coaching with some of the folks over there. And... What, one of the reasons that he wanted to partner with me initially was because he said, you know, if you've run a camp, which I did, and if you've been a school teacher, then you completely understand how executives in the boardroom are exactly like third graders on the playground. And that was why he wanted to work with me. That was why he brought me in as a subcontractor to work with him overseas. So it was really a unique opportunity that I don't think I would have had had I not come from that teaching background. I, you know, I think... I don't want people to think that we're being pejorative against executives. It's just that when you really look at 
what's going on uh, in an elementary school class, uh, people kind of jockeying for position, uh, people trying to uh, understand with their own ego and everyone else's ego about, you know, how to do this and how to do that. Oftentimes I think that uh, when I look at a, when I look at a schoolroom, and I used to go to school, it just uh, freaked my kids out after they got about uh, 12 years old. Before that, it was great to have Dad in the schoolroom, but I had fortunately uh, had an independent business long enough that I could go to school with my kids. And you know, one of the things that I used to remark about early in my career is, is that I actually learned things in those. Uh, elementary classrooms that I could use working with the corporate executives that I was working with. So I think that everyone, all executive coaches should at least at one time or another spend a little time in an elementary classroom and begin to try to understand the dynamics that are actually taking pay place in, in a pretty wild, wild west uh, uh, of, uh, of an environment. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for uh, understanding that a lot of the things that are going on in executive coaching are very difficult, very complex, and the only thing different about uh, third graders and executives, executives have, have a lot better tools. <laughs> well, money. So I think that's you know part of what we have to begin to understand. The other thing that's really interesting, I wrote an article about this. I'm not sure what's going to come out, uh, Susie, and for IJOC, uh, that one of the things that I'm starting to see in executive coaching is that. Uh, a whole new frame is developing around play. Yes. In other words, we're starting to see a shift, a huge shift in the young executives more specifically, but uh, in the environment uh, through simulation, through uh, different types of technology, uh, different kinds of tools, that the whole background is shifting out of work for a living to play for a living. And that brings about a whole other set of ideas when you begin to work with executive coaches. So I think, you know, those of you that have the background like you do are really going to be uh, in the driver's seat. Well, it was only a matter of time before that came to bear as a trend anyway because we're spending so much, you know, technology allows us to spend so much more of our time working that if we don't incorporate play into our work, when are we going to do it? When are we going to have that play time and that leisure time? It has to all be part of integrate an integrated system with what we do with our time. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the idea of play is is that, you know, when you look at kids in school before they, quote-unquote, learn how to behave, play is how they learn. Right. We do learn best through play. And, and the interesting thing, too, about the analogy between school kids and executives is that there's really no greater place to be a study of human nature and dynamics, group dynamics and interpersonal dynamics than to watch a bunch of kids because they're very open about their expression. You know, a lot of times one of the differences with corporate folk and executives is that, you know, the emotions are not on, worn on their sleeve the way it is with kids. Kids wear their emotions on their sleeve. They'll tell you exactly what they think. There's no holds barred. If they can articulate it, they will. And a lot of times they can articulate it. So you get to see the subtle nuances of when someone isn't articulating what's going on for them so that you can start to read it, it, it's really good training for how to listen to people underneath the surface. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm waiting for someone, it won't be me, but I'm waiting for someone to start uh, developing programs about how to teach executives to play again. Because I think that in the environment that we're in today, with things as complex as they are, and there are so many orders of circumstance beyond what we actually think is happening, that the only way to begin to discover some of these is actually play with them some. 
And I think through simulation, through technology, through different ways of communicating, through through even advanced ego work, you know, where people are beginning to let down their guard a little bit and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, go back into the sort of expressive types of play that we used to really do naturally before it was conditioned out of us. Yeah, I think you're right on track there. And there's so many of those training programs that involve um, hands-on simulations, like you were talking about, sort of like outward-bound kinds of experiences even. Um, and I remember going back years ago, I did a ropes course with, with a group of executives once, and boy, was that incredible learning. Talk about trust in organizations, building trust in organizations. You know, I just read that book. Um, Robert Solomon and Fernando Flores have a book about building trust in organizations. Do you know that one, Mike? I have heard of it. It's a, it's a great book. It, I think the title is something like Building Trust in Business, Politics, Relationships, and Life, or something like that. Um, but it's fab it's a fabulous look at building trust, and I can't tell you that ropes course that I did, I don't know, it must have been 12 years ago, 11 years ago that I did that with a group of executives. There, I have yet to see anything that compares to that for not only building team, but looking at where are the trust issues and where are the breakdowns in communication and where do people um, pull back as individuals versus bonding as a team and supporting each other and and it, there were so many great analogies into their, the way they work together and the way they take risks or don't take risks. And, you know, just it, it, was, a, it was just a really great, rich fuel for dialogue. Yeah, I, I think those are some things. I'm hoping that uh, over time as we work with the Executive Summit that we can do a few more of the things around play and really trying to understand the dynamics of play and how it integrates into our, our coaching work. Now, yeah. let me ask you a question. You're just finishing a book? I am, yes. Um, it's called Seal the Deal, and the subtitle I'm still playing around with, but it's something along the lines of um, an integrity-based guide teaching coaches, consultants, and self-employed professionals how to leverage networking, marketing, and sales to build a six-figure business. And when does it do out? Um, probably towards the end of this year. Um, I've already got the publishing contract, so it's just a matter of, wrapping up my manuscript and getting it to the publisher and then, you know, three to six months after I get it to him, it'll be out. Yep. So tell us a little bit about the basic tenets of the book. Well, the book really dates back, I don't know, four years now, five years, where I was really shocked to start hearing some of the trends that were coming out about the coaching industry. Uh, you guys have all heard these comments, so, these statistics, something like 7% of coaches are actually earning a living at it, some appalling figure like that. Uh, Mike, you're probably more up on the recent statistics about that than I am. We actually interviewed Stephen Fairley last year on that research, and there's a interview uh, available for those of you that uh, will be, we'll be making it available at some point in time. But uh, yes, the, it's a very appalling set of statistics, not only those that are making a living, but the vast majority that are only making just a few thousand dollars with their coaching. Yeah, it's shocking. And and so to me, I started looking, you know, when I first heard that, I started looking at, you know, that can't be right. How is that possible? Um, what's missing? What is the missing element? I mean, I know tons of talented coaches, and they're all doing really well. So what's the missing element for those that aren't? Um, and what's, as I started looking into that more, what came out is that that a lot of coaches love coaching and love the client work but hate selling hate whatever it takes to market themselves, present themselves, any kind of shameless self-promotion. They hate that. They don't want to do that. It feels sleazy or doesn't feel like 
being a helper. It's, it doesn't align with their skill set or their value set of why they got into coaching in the first place. So when I looked at that more, I started saying, okay, probably there's a lot of fear in there, and what can we do to take the mystery out of the sales process? Because to me, you know, it's a process. It's a predictable system. It's a process. Um, and clearly a lot of folks didn't know that. When I started really asking of my colleagues the questions about how do they get clients, the answers ranged anywhere from, well, I don't really know, I just go out to lunch with people and then get work, to, well, you know, I tried spending money on advertising and I do a lot of, um, you know, I, I have a lot of web traffic. or You know, like there's all different kinds of answers. But it was a lot of the answers came back as that they didn't really know. It was kind of a mystery. You know, oh, I do a lot of networking and then a hot prospect happens and I pursue it. It was there was like a magic to it almost the way people talked about it. So, what I started looking at was I just went back and really dissected what is the process that I follow? Is it something I could teach to other folks? Is it something that I could contribute to the community and to help advance our profession? Um, so I started, I guess five years ago, did a telecourse. That was my first telecourse ever that I led. Coming from a background as a teacher, I, it was a challenge to me to try to teach over the phone. Um, but I found that I really enjoyed it. And, and that first teleclass was called Sealing the Deal, and it was about teaching new coaches. And, and the first group that I had was a group of Ph.D. psychologists in private practice who were going into coaching or getting into organizational coaching for the first time, and they wanted to learn how to market themselves, how to sell, how to network, because they were coming from that clinical perspective and didn't have any training in the business development side of the house. So that telecourse was really great fuel for creating the book that I finally got around to finishing <laughs> recently. Um, because I took the telecourse content, had it transcribed, edited that, and then you, all the worksheets and handouts and materials that I use in the course are part of the book. Um, and then, of course, additional narrative to help explain all the points. And so, you know, it's a 10-step process. So the book really walks through the 10-step process of how do you integrate networking, marketing, and sales activities so that you can find the sweet spot where you can seal the deal. And it's really about using all three. You've got to take action steps in all three domains simultaneously. A lot of folks think that, oh, if I'm really good at networking, sales will happen. Or, oh, if I'm really good at marketing, sales will happen. Well, if you're really good at sales, sales will happen. And if you're really good at all three and at integrating all three, then you know, you'll build a six-figure business in a matter of time. So, yeah, and you'll be happier, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, there's, it's interesting. There's a little bit of almost naivete, I think, in our profession, where I think, I think we have to get over sort of our, our bad image of sales and selling and what it takes to be a rainmaker in your own business. And I think we have to realize that if we can get good at the, the steps that it takes to build the business, then it actually gives us more time to do what we love most, which is the client work. In terms of uh, an example, can you give me an example, maybe something that you use from the book or something in your personal life? Hmm. Well, around what specifically? About, uh, about the method of seal the deal, how you've used the whole process and integrated it. Yeah. I'll tell you the story of how I started my business and what happened. Um, because this was, developing this process was, 
was in itself a process for me. Like I said, I've been doing this for 13 years, but I didn't start right off the bat doing it. So when I started, you already know I was a school teacher. I left teaching, and I spent six months doing informational interviews. And in those six months, I talked to minimum 150 people. And part of what I was learning during that time were the seeds of networking. I didn't know it then. I didn't call it that. What I thought I was doing was trying to talk to anyone I could get my hands on who might have some insight for me about what the heck I could do in corporate America with a teaching background. So it was from a place of desperation initially, (laughs) but it worked out okay. So what happened in the course of those informational interviews is that I was looking for patterns to emerge about where teaching skills were translatable into corporate America and the concept of consulting and even the language around coaching came up several times and that was the only pattern that emerged and every time that idea showed up you know I I rejected it because I said what do I know about corporate America I've never worked a day in corporate America in my life what do I have to contribute there but it kept showing up so simultaneous to all that I was volunteering as a coach in a leadership development program and one of the other women that I was volunteering with uh, said to me, you know what, Suze, I own my own company. I've got 10 employees, and I'm only a good coach for them up to a point because I'm also their boss, and I think you'd be a far more effective coach to take them to the next level, and I want to hire you to be the coach for my employees. I also have a colleague who has her own business, and I, want, I think you'd be a great coach for her, and by the way, I think you should start a business doing this coaching. Simultaneous to all that, um, one of the women that I met through my informational interviews was part of a transformational technology-based consulting firm. And these were folks who for years, you know, for 20 years already, had been taking the concepts of coaching into organizations and working at the executive level. And they were in a place in their business where they were expanding, and they wanted to bring on associate-level coaches because they just had more work than they could handle. And so I met her during my informational interviews, and all of this bubbled to the surface at the same time so that I had... Initially, I started my business because I had 45 clients. I had 30 clients through this, informa- through this transformational consulting firm. I was coaching 30 managers and high-performance manufacturing firms, and I was coaching them as a mentor coach how to, about how to coach and about how to coach their people and about how to coach each other, and you know, it was several layers working at once. So I had those clients, and then I had these 10 folks at, at the one firm, and then I had these you know, four or five folks at another firm. So... That took me through the first two years of my business. And at the end of two years, when those projects came to their natural conclusion, I had to look around and say, oh, now what, right? These are winding down. I haven't done anything about generating new business. What was I thinking? And how am I going to get to the next step? You know, is this really a go, or do I want to go find another career or go get a job? It was a real turning point for me. I remember a conversation with my coach at the time where he said to me, Suze, you know, if you had gone to school for the last two years working towards an MBA, would you have your MBA by now? I said, well, no, that would probably be a three-year program. He said, okay. And he said, and how much would you expect to spend to get an MBA? And I said, I don't know, upwards of 30000 depending on where I'm going to school. He said, right. He said, and how much in debt are you right now? Because at that point I was, you know, I I wasn't generating profit enough from those clients because I was at a very low starting rate. And I, I was $10,000 in debt. And, he's, and so he said, look, you're ahead of the game. Two years and $10,000 investment. Did you learn enough in the last two years that if you were to make a commitment and apply those going forward, you could actually make a go of this? And when I thought about it, 
I realized, uh, you know what? I could. There's a lot of there's a lot that I learned that I'm not focused on strategically applying. And when I started to strategically apply it, um, that was when I was able to turn everything around, recommit to my business, and within eight months of that decision point, I was not only out of debt, but I was generating six figures and in a sustainable way moving forward. Which brings us to the concept of how sales fits into it, because at that point, all I was doing, first I had done the networking, because that was how I started. At that turning point is when I added marketing into the mix and really committed to having collateral materials and writing articles and all of the things that we do to create marketing materials. And then I had not yet added sales, per se, to the mix. didn't really know about sales until one of the women that I was coaching came from a sales background, and her job... We actually met up at DuPont. We were both working um, with executives at DuPont. I was coaching some executives at DuPont, and she was um, part of uh, part of an initiative that they were working on. And she and I kept crossing paths. We sat down one day to talk, and she said, you know what, I need a coach. She said, I'm looking at getting out of my company and going out on my own, and I have no idea how to do that. So she became my client. Part of what she was going to do going out into her own was do some sales training. And she didn't want to start out on her own entirely. She wanted someone to partner with her. So I said to her, okay, look, there's an opportunity here for us to do some work together. I can bring the coaching side of the house. You bring the sales training side of the house. Let's put them together and create a product and see if it'll fly. Well, we had a client before we finished designing it. And from her, I learned the traditional sales. You know, she she came from a very traditional sales perspective, sales methodology. And from me, she learned a lot about coaching, enough so to decide that she wanted to have nothing to do with it. <laughs> she wanted to stay with, you know, training around sales. So taking what I had learned from her, I started to look at, okay, how do I integrate that with what I already do about marketing and what I already do about networking, and how do I apply that in a systematic way to my business? Now, keep in mind, I was already doing six figures at that point in time, but what I saw in the first year that I applied the whole system was by the end of that first year, I saw a 95.6% increase in my revenues, and I said, aha, I'm on to (laughs) something. So at that point is when I started looking at, okay, there's something here. Let's start creating, let's document this system and see if it's something that I can start teaching to others. So it's been a few years in the making, but it's been road tested, and now I'm at the point where I think I have enough to say on it that it warrants a book. <laughs> you have a formal program behind the, the model. What do you mean by formal program? I have my telecourse material. Okay. I'm, what I mean is, if somebody reads the book and says, "Wow, this is great," I'm going to call up Susie, and they call you up and they say, "Can you teach us that?" And you'll say, "Yes." Okay. So in other words, you do have a formal training program uh, behind that. Do you have like a mentoring program for people who are not going to be in organizations? Like, for instance, individual coaches and things like that? Well, that's who it's really designed for. Oh, I see. So it's really, it's really designed for coaches uh, uh, or independent professionals that are trying to sell a, a professional service. It's, exactly. It's for coaches, consultants, and any self-employed professional. It's, uh, it's the stuff that w- when I was partnering with that other woman, we taught it to attorneys, so I know it works with attorneys. Um, I've taught it to a chiropractor, so I know it works with chiropractors. I've done it with several groups of coaches now on the different teleforums. Um, and I've, interestingly enough, I, the most recent teleform, tele, not teleform, telecourse that I did was a group of 
senior-level executive coaches who already have successful businesses. And the reason I wanted to take that on was because I wanted to test it against the experience-level coach to see if it's is it something that's just for new coaches or is it just for wannabe coaches or folks considering coaching or does it really work on folks who've been there, done that, and already know how to generate business. And everyone in the program saw improvements. So they saw some new spark of something that they hadn't thought about before. And, you know, really the comment that I got most back from that group was, you know, none of this is really new information, but it's packaged in a way that makes it easier and more attainable than I've ever considered it. You know, so there was a lot of a lot of energizing and motivation to go, you know, do something that they hadn't done before and, and to integrate things in a way that they hadn't thought to before. What could you give people today that they could walk with, away with out of this call and immediately begin to improve their results? Well, let's see. Do you want to play with this a little bit? Sure. Do you want to do some live coaching? Sure. Let's do that. So the, let's take the concept of this is a really easy place to start, and you might have already done something around this somewhere in your coaching career. But let's start with the concept of the 30-second commercial. And the reason I like to start with that is because it really opens conversations, it opens doors, it opens dialogue. So what? I, let's see, Mike, what's the best process for doing this? Because typically with a 30-second commercial, I mean, I'll map out for you sort of the key points that you need to have in it. But what I'd like to do is have folks try it out. Sure. I, I need a 30-second commercial for my new book, CPR for the Soul. Oh, good. All right. Well, then let's start with you. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is figure out who your target audience is. Okay. So who do you want to? Who who are you strategically targeting to talk to your talk about your book to? Probably people who are going to be in some kind of self-helping profession. Okay. Great. So let me tell you. I'm just going to run down and tell you the key pieces in crafting a 30-second commercial, right. and then we'll work with you as an example. All right. So the first thing you want to talk about is your name, and in this case, you might do more the book name, okay? So if you're selling yourself, you do your name, but in the case of your book, you'll talk about your book name. And some piece of cleverness around how to remember the name. So you want to link it to something because the way people's memory works is if you give them an image or some concept that's very familiar to link it with, then even if they don't remember the exact name when they want to go back to their computer and go to Amazon and order it, they'll remember they'll remember the image or whatever you were able to link it to for them. And I sort of have done that with my name, right? CPR for the soul. In other words, breathing a life back into your soul. Yep. Giving your soul CPR. Yep. Okay. Good. Uh, originally, I'll just give you a little bit of background. The program that I developed through much like a similar process of your period of time of doing it over and over and then finally realizing it's a teachable point of view uh, it used to be called Coaching Personal Resilience. And one day I was sitting in my, what I call, think tub, my hot tub, and, I, w and I, w I was saying, Coaching Personal Resilience, Coaching Personal Resilience, Coaching Personal Resilience, CPR. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yep. So that's exactly what I wrote the theme of the book about, about how to breathe life back into your own soul. 
It's awesome. Yeah. I know, and I think your book is going to do really well for you. Actually, there's, um, I don't think I even told you this, but there's a little bit of my book that talks about persistence and resilience as part of the sales process. And for more resources on resilience, I point them to your book. <laughs> okay, and so the thing that I say is uh, CPR for the soul, and then I've got my first three or four seconds. Now what do I do? So then you want to talk about, okay, so let me just run through these bullet points of what goes into the 30-second commercial, and then we'll play with yours. All right. Okay? So let me paint the whole picture for you. Well, everybody could just follow along with these, and they could be doing their own. And right. so maybe when we get done, we'll have some of the other people talk about theirs, too. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Okay, so looking at your 30-second your commercial, you've got to have some key points in there. You've got to have your name and some image to link to it, some way to easily remember it. Um, and an example of that is like Bond, James Bond. You know, he does his last name first, Bond, James Bond. And he does it with the same intonation every time, but he does it in a way that makes it easy to remember. Now, why this is important is because if you're meeting someone face-to-face, -face, they're going to be studying all these different nuances of who you are and what you look like and how you come across and how you're presenting yourself that they'll miss your name entirely. Often that's the case. Folks miss your name entirely, and it's a very rare individual who will, at the end of the conversation, come back and say to you, now, what was your name again? Most people just, you know, figure they'll figure it out later somewhere down the road. So you want to have a way of stating your name in a way that people remember it. And if you're talking about a book, you know, link it to an image. Um, so then the next point is credibility points about you or your work. So what is something that lends credibility to how you're introducing yourself? And credibility points could, if you're talking about yourself as an individual, it could either be your education, your background. Um, in my case, I tend to talk about folks on my client list because, uh, you know, I have got some Fortune 10 companies on my client list, so I can rattle off a bunch of those. And someone who's listening to me assumes credibility because, hey, if I've managed to get into all those organizations, I must, there must be something going on that's good there, right? So whatever your, your credibility points are, think about what they are, and that's part of what comes out in your 30-second commercial. The next part is really the key to it all. So you're going to talk about whom do you help and what do you help them to do. So this is who's your target and what is it that you do for them? How do you help them? And putting it in terms of how do you help them takes us out of the benefits and features conversation that a lot of folks try to throw into an introduction. So this is looking at who do you help. So, Mike, in your case, who is your book going to help, and what is it going to help them to do? So what's the, what's the pain that it's going to be responding to? What's the problem it's going to be solving? And the next point is what energizes and excites you about what you do? Where is your passion? We started off talking a little bit about passion earlier this afternoon. So, you know, look at what's the energizing point about your work and what you do. Because if you can come from that place or even communicate that effectively, folks are, you know, passion's infectious. Folks are going to want to hear more because you're lit up about it. And then any other impressive factoid that you want to throw in there, if you've got time, throw it in there. And that's sort of like the wild card element. So, first of all, Mike, do you have questions about any of these points, or do you want to give it a whirl? I'm working on it as we speak. I just need a little bit more time because I'm trying to listen. But let me tell you what I've got so far, and then maybe that will give some time to some people who are working on theirs to share some things that they've got, and then I can go back and finish mine. Okay. Here's what I've got so far, just kind of picking up your points. 
CPR for the Soul by Mike J. Now, I couldn't figure out how to get that into any kind of James Bond type of thing, but I did figure out how to get credibility, which is a line that I use. The world's most innovative coach is the book you need in your briefcase, not on your nightstand. Mm. If you're like most people in a modern, complex world of business, and that's where I'm, that's where I'm uh, stuck because I need to get to the pain right there. Okay, so well, that's who, what I'm working on well, right let's, now. Let's back up, okay? So who are you? Who is your book for? Well, that's what I'm going to tell them right now. In other words, if you're like most people in a modern, complex world of business, and then what I thought about doing was saying the pain, so that it it identifies the people with this pain. Well, let me let me back up even further. Yeah. Where are you? Where would you like to use this 30 second commercial? In what context? I don't know. I just like to make things. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> well, what I hear and what you've shared you need so a far. Second commercial. Well, what I hear and what you've shared so far is that you're kind of writing copy for a promotional piece. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's easy for me to do, write copy, but yeah, so that's that what I'm thinking like, about doing. I mean, I'm thinking about starting out writing copy and then seeing how I can use it to think about the book and to talk about the book as people talk to me. Well, let's start backwards, All right. if you're willing to play with me here. All right. Because you're good at writing copy, and that's a comfortable, familiar place for you to go. Okay. And the point of the 30-second commercial, you know, writing copy, this is one of the distinctions. I spend a lot of time in the book and in the course distinguishing between networking, marketing, and sales. And writing copy is clearly in the marketing category. You know, that falls squarely in the marketing column. And this 30-second commercial the context in which I'd like you to use it is in the sales column, okay? So I want it to be about talking, about speaking and listening, and about generating dialogue. So let's just forget about getting the words perfect. The best 30-second commercials are ones where you can communicate the concepts to a child, really, to someone who isn't in your target market. If you can get, I don't know, any of you who have kids, if you've got, any, if you've got a three-year-old, if you can get a three-year-old, to understand what you're saying, who you are, and what you do, and who you help, and how you help them do it, then you're going to be able to talk to anybody. That kind of goes back to what we were saying about comparing kids to executives. So something about children is that, you know, if they don't get it, they'll tell you. So, Mike, for you, let's start with your name and how to remember it. So who, what do you want folks to focus on, your name or the book's name? Book's name. Okay. So you might start out by saying, I'm Mike Jay, and I just wrote this book. Um, or my book is coming out, and my book is called CPR for the Soul. Okay. Okay, because then you're you're going to leave them with the concept of CPR for the Soul. Right. And then I love how you I love your hot your think what what do you call your hot tub your think tub? <laughs> I love that think tub story. I would tell that right there as part of that's the image of how to remember the name for your book. I see. That's the image right there. Yeah, you know, I called it CPR for the soul because I was in my hot tub thinking about it, and I was talking, you know, I was doing a lot of work around um, coaching personal resistance. Resilience. Resilience, sorry. Coaching All personal right. resilience. So, you know, and then, so that story, when you told us that story a few minutes ago, that had energy in it, and it had a lot of great imagery. Particularly anyone who knows you and knows what you look like, to imagine you sitting in a hot tub thinking this out and getting all excited about it is a wonderful image to hang on to. And running down the street naked. <laughs> right. Eureka, Eureka. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. You know, that would be a sight, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> so you're giving an image. You know, I'm never going to forget the name of your book now because I got that image of you in the hot tub coming up with this Eureka moment, right? I got that. I got that. That's good. So tell that story. 
Yeah. It's more real. It's the way you talk. It's who you are, and people are going to remember that. Then you can get into your credibility points. So your credibility is, you know, Mike, how many years have you been teaching this stuff? Yeah, I have more than 10,000 hours of coaching. Yeah, throw that in. <laughs> Forget about world's most innovative coach. That doesn't, you know, that reads well in copy. But yeah. when you're talking, it's it's almost like words about nothing. You know, what does that mean exactly? Right. But when you say... Everybody understands what 10,000 hours looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I've been coaching this stuff for 10,000 hours, and I finally wrote it down. Okay. You know, that's credibility. Right. Or, you know, I've taught this to 7,000 people, and, you know... Here's the thing I hear most from them. But what you're saying with credibility is is it probably needs to have some kind of factual basis in the minds of the people that you're trying to influence. Well, think about what impacts you when someone's telling you why they're qualified to be talking about anything. It's usually some kind of a number or some kind of a percentage or some kind of a metric, right? That resonates. Best-selling book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I've got that part. Okay. How about the people that it's directed to? Yeah, who are you helping? Who is that book? I'm is helping it... people who are rich but not happy. I'm helping people who uh, have mastered life but are lost, have lost their own soul. Mm. Helping people who uh, the more they do, the busier they get, the less they actually accomplish. That's the kind of people that I'm helping. I'm, I'm putting the fun back in life. I'm putting the play back in who we are. Those are the kinds of things that I'm interested in doing. Perfect. I'm sold. Let's ask everyone who's listening, you know, what do you guys think? Yeah. All right. What do you all think? They're all gone. <laughs> we scared them off. I was wishing I was that successful that I would uh, need the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's really a great point, Mike. Do you want to scare off folks who aren't there yet? Well, no, but it. It's uh, it's for those people who want to get there, too. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who think they're there in one way or another, but actually their lives are misery. Mm-hmm. So getting up every day has lost the passion. Getting up every day is not any fun anymore. Uh, whether you're there or whether you're not there, you each have the same problem. So you, you're helping people who have attained success but not joy. You're helping people who have found that money doesn't equal happiness and that success doesn't equal joy and passion. Yeah, and I'm also helping people who want to make more money and want more joy doing it. I mean, in other words, the book is about design. The book is about understanding ourselves, accepting ourselves, and engaging the world as we are accepted, uh, are accepting ourselves and accepting other people, and then doing what needs to be done in terms of how we are versus how the world needs us to be. And it's not about change. In other words, the first thing that I say in the book is you don't have to have the you don't have to change but uh but you have to have the conversation and the change comes from that. An old David White quote. Yeah. So those are things that I do use. So I think that's what that I'm you... interested in doing. So I need to talk a little bit more about this. But I think you've answered the question. I think the who you help and what you help them to do for the purposes of your thirty second commercial is I help those who have really succeeded in work find passion in life. Yeah, or those who have found passion in life but have not yet succeeded at work. There you go. It works both ways. <laughs> you know what? That's a tagline. Write that down, Mike. That's good. Okay, I'll, I'll have to look at, listen to the audio. <laughs> That's a good one. 
I like that. I was writing it down before, don't you realize? Yes. No, see, this is good. We're working backwards. No, that's excellent. It comes across your uh, mind uh, during a normal course of a busy day that if you don't write things down, you lose it right away. So. Yep. I've good thing, good, good thing know, we're you recording. You earlier, how do I stay so productive? Well, one, I know what I'm really good at, and I do that a lot. Yeah. And I have everyone else do everything else. There you go. Well, so that's part of design, see, that I finally figured out. One of the reasons that I'm so successful is because I have a great design, and I I love getting up every every morning. In fact, the past ten years I've gotten up earlier and earlier and earlier. And I used to be a night owl. And how did I switch from being a night owl to an early bird? Well, passion changes all your psychology and physiology and biorhythms and stuff like that. So you can't wait to get up in the morning because there's so many cool things to do. Right, it's energizing. Passion is definitely energizing. So what about some of the other folks? Uh, you've heard my story. What about some of the rest of you? Let, let Susie coach you a bit. Well, I was going to ask you, Mike, before we go there, do you want to try a run-through of the whole thing now that you've got the pieces? Yeah, I could do that. You want to try, try pulling it. it together? Sure. Uh, you know, my name is Mike Jay, and I've written a book called CPR for the Soul. It's a teachable point of view that I've traded over 10,000 hours of coaching other people around success and failure. And it's important that people understand that you can be too successful or you can't fail enough. And what you need to understand is how can you accept yourself and design a world that works for you so you don't have to. Uh, I believe in effortless work, but you can't leave the effort out of effortless. And consequently, what you have to do is learn about yourself. You have to know yourself deeply, and you have to understand what to say yes to and what to say no to. Time's up. I actually gave you 35 seconds on that. Got a lot of junk in there. Uh huh. So this is so. This, and what you're raising is an exceptional point about the 30-second commercial that I neglected to mention, which is that it takes practice. Yeah. So one of the things that I recommend is that once you actually fine-tune what your 30-second commercial is, that you practice it 15 different ways. That means practice it with 15 different kinds of people because you're going to fine-tune it each time you say it. And, and one of the recommendations that I make is that you practice it in the mirror because if you can effectively communicate your 30-second commercial to yourself, if you can sell yourself on the concepts, then you can talk to anybody about it. So, um, so, if, so just as a little critique of your, and I know that was your first attempt. For first attempt, that was awesome. But you did a good job with saying your name and the book's name, but you didn't tell us how to write. You didn't tell us your hot tub story. Um, so I'd, I would definitely want you to throw that in there. You threw in the credibility points about the 10,000 folks that you've taught it to. And then we got a little lost and fuzzy on who you help and what you help them to do. It got a little bit lectury and not so much about the concise. You had it in a very concise way before. It was about teaching those who are successful in life how to find passion and those who have found passion but not yet success. It was something dual-natured and concise like that. And it doesn't matter about getting the words exactly right, but it's about having the pinpointing the, the key concepts that you want to communicate and leaving all the rest out so that you're not communicating um, extraneous information so that people will lose the point. The 30-second commercial is designed to be something that you use in the context of quick networking when you're meeting people in a social setting, when you're riding up an elevator with somebody, when you're, you know, exchanging, you know, you run into someone on the street that you haven't seen in a while and they want to know what you're up to, you can use it then in passing. So it's not designed to be something where you're standing in front of a room or on a telephone introducing something and you have as much airtime as you want. It's designed to be quick, concise, and to open up or pique interest such that folks will want to hear more. 
and then you can get into more of the depth and breadth behind it. Thanks. So does anyone else want to take a stab at it? Don't be shy. You can't do it wrong. This is all, <laughs> you know, it's all for play. It's practice. Hey, and if I can do it, listen, I'll tell you, folks, for 15 years I've been fighting elevator speeches, and as soon as we get off this call, I'll go shake it off again. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was thinking of a way I could just write it down and give it to somebody and say, here, you want to know what I do? Read this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it, you could well, do that. I'll give it a try. This is Bill. Great. So who are you, Bill? Tell us about you. Okay, my name is Bill Murray. I'm an executive coach, assisting leaders wish to make sure that the relationships in their organization are effective, and particularly with their management team, improving communication issues. And I really uh, enjoy doing this with people, particularly with those that uh, have impact on the whole organization, and seeing people straighten out uh, bent-up relationships. Cool. Straighten out bent-up relationships. I love that image. I just said it. It's the first time I ever said that. I love that image. Capture that. Write that down for yourself. That's a good one. So let's go back to your name, Bill Murray, right? Is that what you said your name is? Yes. Isn't there a comedian by that name? Yes. Okay. So you can bank on that. <laughs> Bill Murray, like the, like the comedian, only I'm funnier. You know, you can make some joke or some, you know, if you link your name to that famous, well-known name... You know the guy in Groundhog Day. Yeah, right. And I won't make you do the same thing over and over again or something. You can you can play with that. And that's going to be your way for people to remember your name. Okay. So, you know, I, w I would definitely think of how you can leverage the publicity and the, and the uh, well-known status of, you know, Bill Murray the actor. And, and, Bill, and Bill, I picked the Groundhog Day instead of Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it depends on your audience. You got to know your audience too. You know, you could. You Let me could ask play you a question, it. Susie. How do you how do you get away from the the cliche business uh, that so many people are in nowadays? So many people have they're like a little recording. You know, you turn them on and here comes their thirty second commercial. How do you how do you deal with that? Because as soon as I hear one of the, somebody turn one of those on, I just immediately turn out. Yeah, I I uh, that's a great point. I definitely advocate not writing it down and memorizing it and delivering it the same way every time, which is why I recommend that you practice it 15 different ways with 15 different people, 15 different audiences, because you're going to say it slightly different every time, but it's going to help you clarify for yourself what are the key points. And if you, it depends on knowing your learning style too, frankly, because some folks need to write it down, you know, get it just right and write it down a hundred times before they feel comfortable enough to say it. Um, personally, with my learning style, I like to know the bullet points in my head, and it comes out differently every time I say it, but all the key bullet points are there. Well, that's a tip that, that, that I know I could use is look for those sort of uh, pithy points that you can remember yourself really easy that, for instance, I love Bill's little remark, straightening out bent relationships. Was that what it was, Bill? Yeah. I, I mean, I can remember that, and that's something that you could always manage to throw in. So what you're saying is, is kind of like what we do on the Internet sometimes with duplicate content. We'll take phrases, but we'll mix them up with other content. Yeah. So there are, there are really certain things that we definitely want a person to get across no matter what environment they're in, but the environment itself is going to show what we fill in the blanks with. And here's how you know if you've got a winner of a 30-second commercial. And, Bill, I think you're on to a winner there because the, 
one of the measures of how you know you've got a winner is if someone else, after hearing it once, can give it back to you. Uh-huh. So the fact that Mike got it, got your your saying about straight man out bent relationships and was able to give it back to you, that tells you that's a, that's something that sticks. And the reason to practice it so many different ways is you're, it's like you're throwing a bunch of different pasta against the wall and you want to see what sticks, right? <laughs> so that that phrase sticks, just like Mike, your phrase about you know linking success with passion, going in both directions, that sticks. Yeah. You know, and that might come out differently every time you say it, but as long as it's got those elements of linking passion and success, you know, in both directions, you're going to be fine. So, so Bill, so literally, we could just kind of take some notes and say, okay, I'm going to focus on CPR for the soul. I'm going to tell them about how in the hot tub it changed from coaching personal resilience to CPR. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them about the fact that I've spent 10,000 hours working with people in coaching. I'm going to tell them about the passion thing, and that's about my 30 seconds. Exactly, Mike. Your 30-second bullet list in in my head looks like this. Title, you know, your name, title of book, hot tub story, passion, you know, passion success link, and the 10,000, and, you know, some whatever at the moment you're excited about. (laughs) Share that, too. And that's your 30-second commercial. That's not going to be the same every time you tell it. Right, something that I can hook on to, and it does it from the old... Uh, robot, you know, yeah. so many people are going through these programs where they're teaching them elevator speeches and stuff like that, and they're making them memorize them. And to me, as yeah. soon as somebody turns one of those on, I just walk away from them because I can't take that kind of stuff. Well, it's tedious and it's drudgery, and who wants to do that anyway? I mean, if you're not having fun, <laughs> if you're not having fun talking about your book, then why would anyone else want to buy it? You know, if you're not having fun talking about what you do and who you are and and who you help and how you help them do it, then why is anyone going to want to be helped by you? So whatever you need to do to make it, to keep it fresh and fun for yourself. Yeah, I like the the modular approach. Yes. That, that for me, being a creative person who never does the same thing twice, you know, I don't even, I don't use an alarm clock so I don't have to get up the same time every day. (laughs) So for me to try to put together a 30-second commercial in the past. I've gone through all these courses and trainings and sat with gurus and all this sort of stuff, and it's really just turned me off. But now I feel kind of turned on because I say, okay, there's five things i got to remember. i got to remember my own name. That's one. i got to remember the book, the hot tub, the passion, and the 10,000 hours and whatever I'm excited about now. And, it, I, and I can guarantee you that all of us on this call could also do that for you. Yeah. See, that's the secret now. We could all go out and we could say, you got to get this book that's coming out next month by Mike J. It's called CPR for the Soul. And he thought of the title in his hot tub because, you know, and we could do it. And he's taught it to 10,000 people. And it's really, if you're someone who's looking at, you know, figuring out where the passion went now that you're successful or you're trying to figure out now that you've got your passion, how do you link success to that, you got to get his book. See, now I can talk about your book. Yeah, and, and what you just said is worth a million bucks. Yeah. Because... So much of the time people don't understand that in order to get other people to refer you, you must be able to get them to tell your story. Right. And so I'll send you my bill. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, but really, you know, and I want to thank you and Bill for um, taking, your, taking the risk to play with this, you know, on this call with me because it's, you know, it, it's a risky thing to say, okay, here I am talking about my book or talking about my business. And I know for you, Mike, that's a different way of talking about it than you're used to. So, um, so you know, I appreciate you I appreciate you guys volunteering. Oh, it actually came pretty easy. And, uh, you know, I think you got something. Uh, I, 
of all the believe me i i am the graduate of at least a hundred classes on where the same thing has been taught in fact i've even taught it myself in my own selling and trading programs but you know I think you're on to something here because the modular approach allows the people like myself who don't want to sound like a robot, who, who are turned off by cliches, to go ahead and keep those five ideas in my head so the next time someone comes up, I've got the perfect teachable point of view already in my head, and all i got to do is tell them. Yep. Yeah, I love that. that Great. Thanks a lot. Any, um, Susie, any other pointers you were going to make for mine? Um, yep. I, so your name, we got to hint your name to, to the famous right. guy. Right. And um, it's clear about who you're helping, you know, and what you're helping them to do. I like your, your slogan about um, straightening out bent relationships. I would say I teach executives and organizations how to straighten out bent relationships. So who you're helping are executives and organizations. And, um, and then all you need is a credibility point yeah. or two. So something either years you've been doing it or numbers of organizations you've been in or... Well, um, years. I've, I've been doing this for over 20 years and have founded my own company in uh, 1993. There you go. To specialize in this work. And also, there's something else that just came up for him, and that's his energy. You know, one of the things that I think that we have to be careful about is, like you said, get your passion point. Because your passion point is going to bring up the energy in the rest of your speech. That's right. And again, you know, maybe 30-second commercial is, is a misnomer, you know, because it turns people off when they think about elevator speeches and stuff like that. Maybe there's another name for it, but it really is. Those, you know, those yeah. points that we talked about, those five things you want to keep in mind and, and making it fun for yourself, finding your passion point. Yeah. Cool. What do we leave people with? Go practice. Practice in the mirror. Go try it out. You know, and if you want to email me, um, you know, for feedback on your 30-second commercial, I'd love to do that. And if you want to call me, you know, I'm happy to work with you on it. It's um, My email is suzi, S-U-Z-I, at innovativeleader.com. And if you want to know more about the work that I do, you can go to my website, which is www.innovativeleader.com. Yeah, I think the cool thing about working with you, Susie, is it's impossible not to be infected by your passion and your energy. Oh, thanks. Uh, that's really, that's you know, I think everybody leaving this call today is going to feel uplifted. I know I do just by being around you. So that's a real gift that I think that is wonderful for you to share. Thanks. Well, thank you. I just hope that, you know, something I said would either contribute to or spark some new idea for your listeners. And Well, I guarantee you I'm using Bill's straightening out bent relationships again. So, Bill, I'll make sure that I <laughs> give you attribution. There you go. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for being here. And, Susie, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Thanks Thank for you. having me. And nice meeting all of you. And good luck. Thank all right. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this audio file from B-Coach Systems. Remember, feel free to visit us on the World Wide Web at www.b-coach.com for coach-related training and development.